The Geotechnical Engineering Podcast is published by the Engineering Management Institute and is part of EMI's Civil Engineering Media and Entertainment Network, which can be found at cement.media. That's cement, C-E-M-E-N-T dot media. Hello, and welcome to the Geotechnical Engineering Podcast. In this episode of the Geotechnical Engineering Podcast, I'll be talking to Mary Ellen Bruce Large, PE, DGE, who formerly was a Director of Technical Activities for Deep Foundations Institute, DFI. She's recently joined Nicholson Construction as their Regional Business Development and Client Care Program Manager, operating out of the Pittsburgh-based headquarters. I'll be talking with Mary Ellen about the value of professional societies. She'll discuss five great benefits of joining professional societies, and she'll also talk about how engineers can get and stay involved. I'm your host, Jared Green, and this is the Geotechnical Engineering Podcast, a podcast focused on helping geotechnical engineers stay up to date with technical trends in the field. And with that, let's jump right into today's episode. Mary Ellen, how are you? Welcome to the show. Thank you, Jared. I'm great. I'm great. I've been looking forward to this. It's awesome. It's funny because we talk a lot for planning conferences and everything, but it's cool to just have a conversation about other things. For sure. Great. Well, it would be awesome if you could give our listeners some insights about your career journey and how did you get to where you are now and what is it that you do on a daily basis? I went to Maryland for my undergrad in civil engineering and grew up with a whole family of engineers. So that was always a a really attractive career path for me. And then I went to get my master's at Cornell. And so the early 90s, I ended up in Baton Rouge, Louisiana, and I worked for Woodward Clyde and I did a lot of uh, environmental and geotechnical projects. And then I moved to Pittsburgh, has been my home ever since, and uh, worked for a couple of engineering consultants, Gannett and uh, Paul Rizzo. And then I went on my own. So I got my own little women-owned business and did that for a while and then joined DFI about 10 years ago to run their technical programs. I'm responsible for committee work, research projects, anything technical programs for events, anything technical um, that the society does. And on a daily basis, I'm mostly on calls. I'm on a lot of Zoom calls, a lot of Teams calls with members. We have over 500 committee members. And so it's a blast all the time. How'd you get involved with DFI? Did they find you? Did you find them? Like, how did that happen? It was funny because I was a member for a long time. And then as the board was looking at adding a technical person to the staff, because it was always administrative people on the staff, Teresa called me actually. And she said, do you know anybody that would want to apply for this job? And I'm like, you know, I think I want to apply for this job. (laughs) It's a great job. So I applied and um, talked to a lot of board members about the job before I took it because it was a new position. It was really exciting. So it was one of the best moves I've made. When I think professional societies, you're one of the first people that I think about. And I know that when I got involved with professional societies, I felt like I got involved before it was time. Like it's like it's too early, but it ended up being just right. But I would love if you could talk a little bit more about professional societies in general. Some people know about them, but a lot of people earlier in their career have no idea about these societies, right? How do you get involved? How do you pick the right one? What is the reason that people join them? I'd be curious what your thoughts are there. I have been a professional society fan from 
college days. You know, I was in my president of my ASE chapter at Maryland and just saw the value of being connected to positive people doing good things, seeing changes, seeing improvements that could be made, seeing new activities that bring people together and wanting to be part of that, wanting to lead that and wanting to spread that positivity around. So that started in college, which was a really great experience. I think professional societies, they're all different. I don't think it's ever too early to get involved in one. I think there is a misconception or a perception, I should say, that it's for the senior people and it's about business development. But there are business development responsibilities for everybody in a company at any stage of a company. Professional societies, that's where I've met so many. I mean, hundreds, you and I probably through our professional society know hundreds of people in this industry, right? Literally. And they're all different. Like DFI is different from ASCE. So there's kind of like the big four in our group, ASCE, Geo Institute, PDCA, ADSC, DFI. And we're all different and we're all different for a reason. And we have different focuses. We have different charges. The best thing is to find out what each one does well and leverage that. If somebody were to call me and say, I'd like to get involved. Well, that's like the best call I could ever get. And I say, well, what do you want to do? Well, what are you into? What are your goals? Do you want to develop business? Do you want to learn a new technique? Do you want to meet people? Do you want to sell your services and products? Like, what do you want to do? Because there's a bunch of different things that can help you meet those goals. And the whole idea of a professional society is to match those opportunities with the people that are looking for them. I often talk to staff that, you know, you say, I want to get more involved. We talk about the different organizations that we say, just go to a meeting, <laughs> see who you click with, see which one aligns with what you're passionate about. And then if you find one you're interested in, then you go all in, right? Because you may go to a meeting and say, it's not my group. And that's fine. Exactly. Well, there'll be another one. There'll be a different group. And what do you say to people that start a little late? I've had people that they get to the point in their career where they're hearing from the annual review and it's like, you need to get more involved. And it's like, ah, it's been 15 years. I haven't done anything. What do you say to those folks that may have waited too long? Same thing. What do you want to do? And what do you have to offer? Because there's a place of we need. We need your technical expertise, your field expertise, your mentoring capabilities, your technical experience to review a document. It doesn't even have to be all about organizing events or being in events. It could be in technical development of specifications or guidance documents or even outreach. So maybe you're not involved in this organization, but you might be involved in another one that we want to connect ourselves with, help us find a pathway there. There's always room. The answer is always yes. And the answer is always their space. Welcome. It's like when somebody just raises their hand, you're going to find a way to get them involved. Absolutely. There's always more room in the party. Yeah. There's a geo Congress some time ago. You did a talk. It was for the pit talks. Like it was sort of like the Ted style, but pit, I think it was, uh, I don't know if that was two years ago, three years ago, but you talked about the tangible and the measurable benefits for companies when employers are involved in professional societies. You talked about five main benefits of joining a social organization. Your first one was projecting your corporate image. Tell us more about that. I think that's a real benefit. Just like professional societies are different, companies are different. And they're different for a reason. They're employee-owned. They're shareholder-owned. They're focusing on certain industries. We're definitely going to do this, but we're definitely not going to do that. That we are family-friendly. We are hard-driving go, you know, big time field people, very practical. We're high tech, smart pants. 
there's a lot of different corporate images. You can use your involvement in a professional society, project that. And when you do that by the people that you send, the types of presentations that you make by your interactions at booths and things like that, you attract people to work for you and you attract people to work for the type of people that are looking for what you're offering. It's a way to project yourself beyond your own walls and out into the, the industry. And then I guess you're also getting to flex muscles you might not know that you have. True. And then you talk about business development. Now, business development is something that you know, there's people that go to school for marketing, there's people that go to school for business, and they learn those things. But you're talking to an audience of students and engineers and geotechnical engineers at that. What is business development? Sometimes some of us don't know what that is. What is business development? I know. Well, it's kind of like, well, I'm not good at that. So I'm going to push that. I'm going to let the people that know what they're doing talk about that. But every interaction you have, you're developing business for your company. You're projecting. You're an ambassador for that business. And engineers, we think about the projects, right? We show our case histories and we tout our successes. But when you're doing that, somebody else is doing that too. If you were to look at the program as more than just, this is the technical thing I learned, it's where are they working and who are they working for? What is the next thing coming? Like, are we hearing a whole bunch of things about a certain technology? There is an abundance of papers about that. Should we be learning about that? Should we be preparing to be participating in that arena? Especially as DFI, we are noticing that we don't want to just be at the conference talking to ourselves, right? So we're enticing structural engineers to come, owners to come, to be involved. And so when you stand up and you give your presentation, you're projecting your successes and your skills and your service profiles. That is business development. Because people have told me, oh, I haven't gone to the damn conference or whatever it is in a while. And they've noticed that their inquiries tail off in that area because they're seen as a specialist and that's their arena that they can be presenting themselves. You become more involved with an organization. You get a nice snapshot of the industry, a snapshot of trends, and that can really help the way you're doing your business. That makes a lot of sense. I think so. If you were to look at the program, right? You don't just look at it as a series of time slots and presentations. You kind of fly above it a little bit. Say two thirds of this, we're on piling techniques and this was on earth retention. And this is on monitoring or instrumentation or GIS project information management. Like where's it all going? You can maybe glean some market strategies from that. You also talked about cultivating technical expertise. And I have to imagine that you know, if one thinks that they know something, they can go to a conference, they can learn a lot more. It's not just the professional development hours, but you can learn. I think so. I mean, you could go to one of these things every week. You could really literally could find something in our industry to go to every week. And we're trying to find a lot more opportunities to have stuff available online for people to, because you can't go everywhere, especially now, but there are so many specific opportunities. When you're learning, you're learning good things. You're learning, let's do this. But I think in professional societies, if we can create that atmosphere of trust, we could also find, share what you shouldn't do. Say that was a mistake and we're never going to do that again. But you have to have that atmosphere where it's not going to be, look at those guys and they made a mistake. It's more like, look how brave they were to share that with the rest of us so that we'll all learn and we'll all improve and somebody will be safer, a job will be more valuable and company will not suffer a loss or a person. I think there's a lot of technical learning. 
And so that happens at the conference level, and it also happens within the, the technical groups and committees. What point do you see that you need a new committee? Is it somebody says, we're interested in it? Because you have a lot of committees. So we'll say DFI, right? You have a lot of committees. At what point do you say we need another committee? Like, how does that work? We do. Well, the answer was always like, if you want to sign up, you know, come on, we'll start a new committee. But now we're up to 30. By the time we have our working groups, we are 30. Because now we're looking at them just a little bit more judiciously, I think. But the answer is usually, if you've got interest, normally because there's a driver behind it, right? There's something wrong, like working platforms or risk, or there's conversations to be had. And committees do, they work at different paces and they're not all expected to produce something, right? Sometimes it's a forum. We say at DFI, we're the forum where manufacturers, equipment suppliers, serve contractors, engineers, owners, researchers, like everyone comes together to discuss. Everybody's voice is heard because you have to understand the various viewpoints to really make change. And sometimes the committee exists to have a conversation. So we have 30 committees. We've got them now separated in categories. So we're launching our new website pretty soon. We've got them all separated in categories. We've kind of got applications, which are marine foundations, earth retention, seepage control, things that are actually applied to a certain application. Then there's technologies, drilled shafts, ground improvement, soil mixing, technology-based. Then there's standards and practice, testing and evaluation, seismic and lateral loads, subsurface characterization, You know the things that um, support the applications and the technology. So hopefully you can get those 30 committees in your minds in the three categories. That's our new strategy. And then you also talked about providing professional development opportunities. So professional development, a lot of times people think about, oh, I go there to get my professional development hours. But what type of professional development opportunities are available when you join an organization? Professional societies are unique. They are unique opportunities because they're volunteers. You have a really small staff, volunteers. And volunteers, there's a certain pace to work with volunteers. There's a certain care you take with volunteers recognize that they need to be valued, successful, and rewarded. Those are the three words I love to use. So valued, know that you, I value the time that you put in. I'm going to do everything I can do to make you successful in what you just committed to doing. And then reward you with visibility, with promotions in the society, with leadership opportunities, with other opportunities. There is a tremendous opportunity for leadership and visibility. And there's an also a huge opportunity for mentoring and mentoring at all levels. You think of traditional mentoring, senior, junior, you think of that, but you also can think of peer-to-peer mentoring. Like we need mentoring now, you know, like I'm a senior project engineer. I need help with maybe mentoring my own staff and how can we at it's like a middle to senior management level help and mentor each other to be better mentors to others or to be helpers to others. Maybe there's people older than we who are retiring. How do I do that? How do I succession plan? And could we set up mentors to be available to people at that stage? And then I love the reverse mentoring because they have all these young people that are teaching us how to do things better and all the time reverse mentoring to tell us how to, you know, why do you guys do that like that? So, so backwards, right? It's like, exactly. <laughs> the way we've always done it. It's like, well, you know, they have this now, right? It's like, no, I didn't know that. No, no. Tell me about that. Anything that'll shave five minutes off of it, I'm all game. I think it's unique in that you have 
these professional organizations, right? And it's like, you have competitors. So some people say, oh, I don't want to join because they're competitors, but you can learn from each other without impacting one another negatively. Absolutely. And honestly, they're the best. I have competitors review each other's papers. But some people have said to me, they're like, I shouldn't review this because I'm their competitor. I'm like, that's exactly why you should review it, right? So that we can make sure that it's all right, technically correct. Yeah, not as good stuff. I absolutely agree. You end by saying that the final benefit is the greater good. What's going on there? What's the greater good? I think the greater good is win, right? So everybody wins. If you and I are are trying to figure out win-win, I need to understand what winning means to you because I can project my win on you and it might not be what you envision winning as being. I think of DFI with the five wins. Every of the stakeholders has to win. And so we have that conversation so that we can understand what winning means to others. And then everything gets better. We have those conversations where things get better then because we've tried to address something. We're not always going to fix everything. We'll say, okay, we're going to agree that this is going to make things better. And this, we'll keep talking about this because there's, there'll be a way later to make that better. We're just not agreeing on it right now, but there'll be a way to make it better. And then I think it's incumbent upon us to have those conversations. If we are the ones who feel like we can improve things and we know something could be better, I think it's incumbent upon us to have those conversations. It's our responsibility at that point, right? I think so. Yeah. And we can make the change. We have made changes, not in everything, but in some things. Forward progress is progress. So I'm all for it. I think so. Even holding the conversation is a step to, you know, we've heard the saying that uh, if you don't talk about the problem, it's there anyway. You're absolutely right. So we should talk about it. If we want to do something about it. We should talk about it because it's going to be there anyway. So engineers, in order to become and stay involved with these professional societies, because sometimes somebody can start to become involved, but then they get so busy at work or so busy with personal. What do you say to that? That's a tricky one because we always say we recognize that it's all extra. It is all extra. And I think that people join things just like we all do. And then you get back to your desk and you're like, oh, my goodness, what did I do? Because I have all this stuff here. The best thing to do in a situation like that is just communicate. You just call back to that organization and say, I said I was going to do this. I want to be involved. I'm a little strapped right now. Somebody takes that task that you were going to do, pushes it forward, and then dishes it right back to you again when you can take it. I would say stay up on what's going on just so that you're in the loop. You don't get too, too far out. Like read some of the million emails that we send you every week. Don't be afraid to say right now, it's too much. I really believe in that because you trust that the door will be wide open when you're ready to come back, for sure. That's really important because sometimes we're almost trained to never say no, right? And it's like you take on, you take on, but nobody wants to see you fail, especially not an organization that's based on volunteers to help. You don't want to see anybody fail. So it's better to say, I can't do it right now but keep me in mind for next time. Cause there's going to be another conference. It's going to be another opportunity. Absolutely. When someone says the actual says that no word, you're just kind of like, wow, that was brave. It's brave, right? It is to say, you know, I will trust that you will find me again. Or, you know, I'll call up somebody and say, I know this was on your plate. Is there anything I can do to help unburden that a little bit? And they'll say, yes, if you could finally, and you're like, okay, As soon as you're ready, I'm going to dish it right back to you. 
Exactly. It's coming back. It is extra. And, and you're right. We do want people to feel successful and happy about it. it needs to be a happy place. And we understand where it falls in the family work uh, hierarchy. We talked about professional societies, but any other advice you'd give to somebody that may be still on the fence? They're not sold yet. What would you tell them? Give somebody a call. Call that person, carve out 20 minutes and just say, tell me what it's like. Tell me what I can expect. Ask that person to listen to what you want and need and why you're even making that call. I love having those conversations. I've had conversations with whole companies, like get a Teams meeting with the whole company and say, these are the kinds of opportunities that DFI, let's talk about DFI specifically, DFI provides because different people in your company might be looking for different things. Maximizing the limited resources of finances and human resources and channeling those into the places where you're going to get the most return, there's help available for that, help to guide you. So I would say reach out. So with that, we're going to take a moment, we're going to take a break, and we're going to come back with Mary Ellen, and we're going to finish this off at our Career Factor Safety End segment. Stick around. All right, welcome back. It's time for our Career Factor Safety End segment. In geotechnical engineering, just like many disciplines of engineering, it's important to incorporate a factor of safety into your design. But what about incorporating a factor of safety into your career? Today, of course, we're speaking with Mary Ellen Bruce Large. Mary Ellen, you've had a very successful career so far. When you look back at your career, what's one thing that you think you implemented to give yourself, let's call it a factor of safety for your career? Thanks, uh, Jared. I have done a lot of different things. And I love to say yes, right? I love to take on the next challenge and, and everything is so interesting. And we have such a great industry that we work in. One of the safety factors I have tried to implement in my career is to find a way to not procrastinate and keep all the balls in the air at the same time. Because as you get more senior and you do get more opportunities, you want to say yes to these things. You have to find a way to meet all those deadlines for your own sanity and for meeting the commitments that you've made to others. When I get a project, I know these are going to be like really nuts and bolts things, but when I get a project, I only plan the first day. I work on it the first day, but I tell myself I'm only going to plan. I don't have to be stressing myself to work on anything, to produce something, to start something, to find out that I can't do it, you know, or to be little unsupportive of yourself a little bit, but I just plan the first day. I set schedule and then I work on it a little bit at a time. And when I have to put it down, I take a sticky note and I put it on top of the pile and I put the next three things on that sticky note that I was going to do. Because a lot of times you don't pick that project back up again because you're like, it's going to take me 20 minutes to figure out where I even was. So if you got those first three things, it immediately puts you back into where your headspace was and you can just pick it up and start running again. So I know that those are kind of nuts and bolts. Those aren't, those are maybe small picture, but it really helps you keep all those wheels turning. I love it. The reality is that we have so many things we have to do. So that's helpful. And sometimes if we put something down a year, I have no intention to pick that back up. So if you have the, the things afterwards, this is where you're going to start back when you on pause. That's powerful. I like it. 
Yeah, it's a good one. And I also think that just the planning, it lowers the stress. You're like, oh, I'm going to have to produce something. No, just plan out. And then you've got a roadmap and then it's one foot in front of the other. That's kind of how I look at it. Well, Mary Ellen, thank you so much for coming on and thank you for sharing all the great insights. You shared a lot of information. I know it's going to be helpful for our listeners. If somebody wanted to reach out to you, what's the best way for them to find you? Social media or an email? An email at DFI. So you go to DFI.org or large at DFI.org and never hesitate. Thank you so much for coming on. Appreciate it. Thank you. I hope you enjoyed the episode today. We would love to hear your feedback, comments, and or questions. Please feel free to go to geotechnicalengineeringpodcast.com where you'll find a summary of the key points discussed in today's episode, that being episode 39, as well as links to any of the resources, websites, or books mentioned during this episode. Until next time, we wish you the very best in all your geotechnical engineering endeavors. Peace. The Geotechnical Engineering Podcast is published by the Engineering Management Institute and is part of EMI's Civil Engineering Media and Entertainment Network. The opinions on the show are those of the host and guests, not their employers. For information on EMI's people and project management skills training programs for civil engineers, visit engineeringmanagementinstitute.org.